Hello and welcome to episode 74 of the BMcast. Not a podcast that releases cards from a silver border set into a black border format, but differentiates them by using an acorn stamp that they accidentally show as a regular stamp on the acorn cards, making them look like legal cards when they're not, and it confuses the bejesus out of the entire player base, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I'm Scott, and I'm joined by the acorn stamp herself, Emma. How are you doing this week? <laughs> I'm doing good. <laughs> I thought I held it together there, but then I just read Acorn Stamp again. Oh, no, gone. we got to keep that in, right? Um, yeah. So, yeah, hi. Uh, I'm doing really well, thank you. Uh, busy, but good. Uh, so what's mm. new? In terms of content, I have a few pieces going up over this week. So, firstly, mm. my review of uh, the new Strixhaven D&D book, A Curriculum of Chaos, goes up over at IGN this week. Mm. Um, so if you're a fan of like the D&D magic crossover, because we've had like Feros, we've had Ravnica as well, um, it's a really, really good place to get into. And there's some really interesting new mechanics. So uh, essentially they've made a mechanic where you can romance NPCs and you okay. get inspiration from dating them. Nice. And this is because it, it's like college, isn't it? So you're, you're going to hook mm. up with people and whatnot. You can't date teachers, you can't date people older than you, you can only date students. But I think it's a really cool idea that you can just like have this, uh, belo- it's called like a beloved inspiration. So you get okay. this inspiration from your beloved. It's a really cool idea, either way. Um, so overall, mm. it's a really good starting point if you are looking to get into D&D and you enjoy the world of Strixhaven and magic. Yeah. Um, so you can check that over at IGN right now. Also over at Dicebreaker, I wrote up a little retrospect about D&D um, across this year. So looking back at like the releases, mm. um, what's coming and like what can be changed because it's been a bit of an up and down year in terms of D&D uh, for a yeah. lot of good and bad reasons. So in terms of magic, I had every intention to play the uh, the store championships that happened last week. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I was very prepared. I picked up uh, Grixis Dressdown, which I thought was be quite good because there's a lot of like Merktide decks. There's a lot of cultivated Colossus Amulet Titan mm. lists knocking about. So I'm like, Dressdown just seems really well positioned right now. But really, really good, really organized, had a really good 75. And then I overslept and slept for 12 hours. So I completely <laughs> missed the whole thing. Which is a little bit annoying, but at the same time, I'm like, I clearly needed to have a big sleep, so I'm not too upset about yeah, it. that's fair. Um, I felt great afterwards. Sleeping for 12 hours is wonderful. Um, and I clearly <laughs> needed it, so I'm not too annoyed. But it would have been nice to play yeah. a day modern event. Otherwise, I did pick up Metroid Dread as a little Christmas present to myself, uh, the new mm. Metroid game on the nice. Switch. And I'm really, really enjoying it because it does a really good job of tuning into the old school Metroid, so like Super Metroid, because mm. it's all side-scrolling, right? Um, it's yeah. side-scrolling but 3D, but it's, it keeps true to the original, right? Um, cool. And yeah, it's just that classic sort of Metroid model. It's really, really tough, which I quite like as well, because I like my mm. games to be challenging. And yeah, yeah it's, it's just really nice to get into. And, you know, like, because we've got Metroid Prime coming soon, which is first person, it's just nice that they've gone back mm. to, like, old school for a little bit. But that's pretty much yep. it for me. How about you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I actually woke up on time and played in my LDS Store Championship Lucky. yesterday. So, <laughs> uh, I was playing Belcher. I nice. did okay. I ended up sixth place with a 2-2 record. Uh, I won against Blue Eye Control and Amulet Titan, which generally speaking are relatively good matchups for me. But I lost to a nuts draw from Hammer Time that involved three hammers and a Luris. And... I was kind of unable to assemble a win against Grixis Death Shadow. It just sort of didn't come together. But I felt like I played well overall. I still left the tournament with a Fury and two Veil of Summer. Nice. For my sideboard, so, Fury's a worse you know, something now. Ha, happy out. Yep. Yeah. I just need to get two more now. Nice. <laughs> 
Now, my article this week, by the way, is a nice reflective piece because, you know, we're coming to the end of the year, you know, these retrospective times. And I talk about the lessons I learned from a whole year of playing over Spelltable. So I talk about what it's done for the community, how it's changed the game, what it's going to do in the future, everything. That's cool. Uh, That's live now. So you can check it out on Car Kingdom after the show, of course. And also in Magic, I traded yesterday for a cast dissident mage. So I'm going to be building a deck around her soon. And I'm also midway through brewing a Tormod and Dargo Black Red Sacrifice deck. And I'm also working on a Marit of the Frost Changeling Tribal deck. Busy boy. So, yeah, busy brewy boy. Um, I will keep you updated with the decks that I finished as they happen. But uh, yeah, I'm still, I'm still wild for brewing in case that's not glaringly obvious by the, the three unfinished decks sitting on my desk right in now. In other news, water is wet. Hmm, Yeah. <laughs> As for non-magic stuff, I basically didn't do anything non-magic this week. Like, I have these from time to time where, you know, magic is just the whole week and that's kind of it. And that's fine. Mm. But on top of that, the new Final Fantasy XIV DLC is live, which means that us free-to-play players have uh, ridiculous queue times again. So it'll probably cool down the next few days because it's only out a couple days now. But yeah, I'll be back to making mistakes in there shortly, (laughs) ruining entire dungeons as a poor tank, etc. But... Yeah, moving on. Emma, have we got any housekeeping this week? We do. We have an incredible amount of housekeeping this week. So first off, thank you, everyone, because it's been a really, really good week for us. So we would like to give a huge welcome and thank you to Ozan Kaplaner, Jeff Eaton, Minnie Meyer and Jonas Kong, who are all latest patrons of the Cheering Fanatic tier. So that's four new patrons. Thank you very much. Welcome aboard. Also, we'd like to give a thank you to Tom Telford, who upgraded their pledge for Stonks here. So thanks again, Tom. Like, it's been a great week. It's like... It's, it's a weird time being having a patron when it comes to like December, end of the year, because obviously mm, we're coming up yeah. to Christmas. Naturally, people want to save like money and that's completely fine. I'm not saying you mm. should spend your money on us, but it's yeah. really, I just want to say it's really, really appreciative because obviously we naturally see a dip at this time of the year. So it's really, yeah. really good. So it means a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Special thanks to everybody, but also worth pointing out that Tom Telford is a very good friend of mine and who was uh, responsible for getting me to and from the LGS Store Championship yesterday. Nice. So, thanks, Tom. And uh, he's he's started to make a covers playlist, like a, you know, like a metal covers of oh, nice. pop songs or pop covers of metal songs or whatever. And he's sharing that with me so that we can, like, collaborate on that together so that when we're cool. going to and from the LGS, we've got a cool playlist, you know. Nice. So, uh, Pipe playlist. Yeah. It's good stuff. If you enjoy the BM cast and would like to support them, you can become a patron for as little as $3. Not only will you get access to all of the show notes and deck lists, but you get to listen to the new episodes a day earlier than anyone else. Visit patreon.com forward slash the BMcast to join today. There are also free ways to support them too. Just listening to the show is already great. You can follow them on their Twitter at the BMcast as well, and even DM them for a link to the Discord server. No matter your budget, we'll make sure you get your stonks on. Alright, so it is my turn for Card of the Week before we jump into the rest of the episode. And I have an absolutely red hot card for this week. See what you did there. Yeah, right? <laughs> Fiery Confluence, $1.25, right? Crazy. Have you, have you ever heard the likes of this? Back in Dominaria time, it was $30, thereabouts? Yeah, it was really to... high, wasn't it? Because it was like super good in Commander, then all the cute mm. players wanted it. And there was like one printing at the time, which was like Commander 2015. So it's just like... Yeah. 
Yeah, it was wild. People, Absolutely there was more wild. demand, obviously. Yeah. Now, to those that don't know the card, Fiery Confluence is two red red for a sorcery, and it says choose three, and you may choose the same mode more than once. Fiery Confluence deals one damage to each creature, Fiery Confluence deals two damage to each opponent, or destroy target artifact. So, all three of those modes are pretty good. You can have it as mass artifact destruction, you can have it as a board wipe, or a ton of direct damage. And any combination of the above to best suit your situation, every single option is fantastic. You know, this is a ridiculously powerful modal spell. Uh, particularly in Commander, I do know it has seen some play before in the likes of Legacy with Mono Red Prison and that kind of thing. But as a Commander card, the, at this price now, this is phenomenal. Absolutely yeah, picks them ridiculous. up if you if you need them. Um, I just traded for one. I got the Chandra Spellbook one. Mm. Um, and that's now in Lelia. It's very, very good. Love it. So, moving on to the meat and bones of the episode... It is, in fact, a Q&A episode. So we went to... we went, <laughs> This happens on a very rare occasion, okay? Another look behind the curtain here. On very rare occasion, we sort of have our call here on Sundays to, to do the recording. And there's a very, very odd time where we'll be like, what are we doing this week? Mm. And we won't know. We just won't know. And we knew that we had like one or two questions. And then we had a look through the BMCast Discord and then realised that we actually have a ton of questions. So we sort of rocked up today and sat down and we're like, oh God, we've been very busy this week. We haven't had a chance to think of what to do this week. And thankfully... The community's chipped in, so thank you for that. (laughs) And also, as I was mentioning earlier on the Patreon side of things, like we're coming to the end of the year, like... Mm stuff that what's he was doing everything's just winding down for christmas so and magic tends to be quite reactive right so we cover stuff as it happens yeah. and if there's nothing to cover then we run out of things to talk about right so mm-hmm. this is a really good segue leading into the holidays i think too yeah yeah absolutely so with that said this is a q a episode we are covering an awful lot of questions that yeah. have been thrown a lot's happened and this week in magic to be fair as well yeah yeah, new format, new unset, new all sorts. So mm. let's dive in, shall we? Yeah, so first question from the BMCast Discord is from Quarian Laden, and they ask, any thoughts of adding Dorothea, Vengeful Victim, to Pioneer Spirits uh, from last week? So last week we did a Pioneer Primer on Pi- um, Pioneer Ban and Azorius Spirits, mm. um, and they want to know if you want to add this new Crimson Vow slash Midnight Hunt card uh, to Spirits. Uh, the answer is you can. The only issue you have with Dorothea is that it is two mana, so it's already creating tension with stuff like Shacklegeist and you know, your Supreme Phantoms, um, but for a 4-4 four, four for two that sacrifices after combat is fine, um, and it can uh, disturb into essentially Geist of St. Traft as an aura, I believe, um, mm. which is also fine. The yeah. only issue you have with that is, again, you're creating tension with that free CMC of free mana value spot of like Spell Queller, you know, all your lords are free mana as well. Mm. What I can see, I can see you like squeezing this on the sideboard, maybe. It's just mm. a way to do something in the later game, like against the removal heavy decks, perhaps. Just a way just to push through that damage and make some more creatures. Um, or just as a one off, like, it's your deck. You can have like a cool fun off Dorothea if you wanted to, and it could come up really relevant at some point, right? But I would only look to add this card to like Azoria Spirits. I would not be interested in running this in Bant because you're already mm. pretty squeezed because you got you got a fit collector company, right? So yeah, just thinking of it now, would this be good in the sideboard for dealing with like red decks? Because Thankfully. just a two mana four four blocker is pretty decent, right? And then when you need to close the game, you can just 
pull it out of the bin and go to town. Yeah, essentially it's got Defender, hasn't it, to an extent. Mm. Um, yeah, like, the, the way I see it is uh, try it out for yourself. Yeah. Like, it's not expensive either, I don't think. I think it's like a bulk rare price at the moment. Yeah. yeah, like a one of or two of is where I'd probably sit, like one in the like one one and one like main sideboard probably just to see how it fares. Seems decent. Right, so we got a couple of questions from Coffee, also from the BMcast Discord. Mm-hmm. Um, so they ask, how do you deal with taking losses in life or just in Magic? Uh, and the reason they asked this is because they and a friend had scrubbed out of a, a, a human event at an LGS recently, so they just wanted to see our output. Hmm. Well. There's a couple of things here because in in life in general, uh, it's kind of weird for me because uh, I in the most in the most ADHD way, and I haven't really talked about this, but in the most ADHD way possible, uh, I have undiagnosed ADHD basically, (laughs) Um, and yeah, that in itself is extremely emblematic of it itself but i deal with elves in life very strangely because they don't affect me for particularly long periods of time because i kind of my brain just sort of starts forgetting about them so i'm not great at explaining how to deal with that because normally it's just like yeah it sucks and then like whatever i guess you know Mm. that's not very helpful you know but when it comes to magic i did have to sort of teach myself to get a bit better at it because i did have a tendency to get fairly salty and fairly sour over losses and that kind of thing the non-helpful answer for this would be uh play dumb combo decks because if you're trying to get you your opponent and they get you back you're like well i mean i don't know what i expected i tried to do this to you um but the helpful thing is that like if you treat every single game as an individual circumstance, like an individual thing in a bubble, if you lose this game, it's it's not that it's your third loss in a row. It's that like this one didn't work out. It's yeah. okay. I've learned more over the last few years that I am obsessed with learning and improving and growing Same. constantly. Absolute like I'm a sponge for like stuff, I'm like learning same. things and, and picking up stuff. And I consider it an L if I walk away and I didn't learn something like if I walked away from a game and was like I could have done this or I could have done that or I should have changed this cyborg card or I should have killed that thing instead or whatever as long as I walk away with at least one little nugget of information that's not an L if I walk away and go I learned nothing then that is that is when it's a loss and they're the hardest for me to deal with personally yeah i think i'll go one further i think you can learn i think you can learn always learn something from a loss even Mm -hmm. if it's not like a little tidbit of information or you know you miss sideboard or you played the wrong card on turn two i think a lot of just like if you do lose it's the experience as well Yep. Which is pretty important, right? Learning how to lose is very difficult in Magic. We've all played against players that don't know how to lose properly, right? Or don't show mm. grace when they've lost. I think for me, I'm similar to you. So if I do, if I, you know, if I lose a game of Magic, I'm just like, could I have done anything differently? You know, just just play the just play the the game in my head, re- replay it in my head, and just yeah. like, could I do anything differently? Or did they just have the nuts and I couldn't beat it? Like you with Hammer, for example. Like, mm. um, I don't think there's anything you could have done differently. They just had three Colossus Hammers that just you know killed yeah. you. Like, what can you do against that? You can't. Those are just some of the the ways that you can lose, and it's just out of your control. But like you, I tend to take every loss separately. So if I lose like two or three in a row, I treat them as separate things, not, oh, I've lost the last three. Mm-hmm. 
and try and figure out why I'm losing, why I've lost those games because they're all different reasons. Mm-hmm. And also, there's a really good quote from Ted Lasso that I'm going to use in this situation. So you don't bury yourself in like losing, and that is a bad thing. And uh, Ted Lasso always said, "Just be a goldfish." And what he means by that is just forget about it and move on. You got to take mm-hmm. it, just move on from it because you've got another game coming up. You don't want to bring that mentality into the next game because if you do, you're just going to keep losing and then you're going to keep snowballing yep. and then it's just not good. For, you're not going to have a good time, are you? So yep. I like to just pull, take things away. Like if there's anything I can do, great. Otherwise, I'm just going to forget about it and play the next round. Yeah, pretty much. And in terms of life, that's a bit. Di- it's a bit difficult because it's varied on loads of things. Like. I mm. tend to take the mindset of if I can't affect it, I'm going to try and not let it affect me, if that makes sense. I can't influence it, so why should it bother me kind of thing. Um, yeah. I think that's the best way. It's really difficult without getting super philosophical and, you know, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a can of worms, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's also, it, it can also be difficult, It you know, I wouldn't necessarily be taking my word anyway as a, as gospel on how to like you know cope with situations and stuff because i'm like the majority of people at this uh juncture in history mm. uh not exactly the most uh mentally healthy person of all time so you know same here what <laughs> like... I, my coping mechanisms are going to be very different to someone else's yeah um they won't always um be able to cross over and that kind of thing um, yeah or just might not even be that healthy you know like i'm i'm hardly sitting here being like i know exactly everything and i'm going to tell you all how to fix <laughs> yeah. things like i sometimes i can barely tell myself you know yeah. so um, and yeah. they also have a second question mm-hmm. um they want to know is robert the rich a budget replacement on ragavan not too much of a question but they just want to let it known that robert the rich is a really cool card and it's kind of overlooked so could it just mm. Fill in the gap of Ragavan a little bit. Admittedly, it's a different mana value, mm-hmm. um, but the what it does when it, it does combat damage is is relevant here. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say absolutely not. And mm. the reason for it is the reason why some cards are expensive. Look yeah. at the likes of Chalice of the Void, Ensnaring Bridge, Solitude, Ragavan. These are all cards that have no cheaper or alternative analogs yeah there is no card that does even remotely the same thing mm-hmm. you know like in or first of all it costs 100 percent more for robert the rich to be cast and then on top of that it doesn't provide a treasure and then on top of that it doesn't always draw you that card when it deals combat damage yeah so it's like i can i can see the comparisons being drawn but in a format like modern, those comparisons are not even worlds apart, they're formats apart. Like yeah. it's it'll be fine in Pioneer. It will not be anywhere remotely close in modern. As much as I'd like it to be, because I hate the fact that Ragavan is what, like seventy dollars or something still. So Yeah, it's absurd. You know, yeah. In in my opinion, if you don't have Ragavans and you want a replacement, just pack four other very, very good strong cards into your deck. Um, yeah. Whether that's a DRC or I don't know, if you're playing Death Shadow or something, just make them Scourge of Skyclaves instead because yeah. it's further in on the actual game plan or something. You know that kind of thing. It is difficult. You can't. As much as yeah. I would love to replace Ragavan, or for Ragavan to be cheaper, that would be the ideal world. Yeah, um, yeah you can't. Like you can try, but I don't think it's. You're not going to get those like for like results that you're hoping for. So. I think you just yeah, have to wait or just 
take some like more lightning bolts or whatever instead until you can get them i guess i know that's not really advice but uh it's not, it's, it's tough it's tough um, so ZekoW has a question from the BMCast Discord, and they ask, what are some of the ninjas I should be picking up ahead of Kamigawa Neon Dynasty? I feel like we're going to have some cool new ninja tech, and wondering what is the best stuff to pick up. Um, I'm going to do this on the fly right now, um, because I am going to go and have a look for ninjas uh, on Scryfall. <laughs> yep. Um, the one from MH1 that stole stuff. The Everyone black, blue one. Face of Shinobi, is it? Oh, Fallen Shinobi. Fallen Shinobi, that's it. I, I pick up that one because that card's just great. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, you've got Fallen Shinobi. You have Ingenious Infiltrator, which is the four mana or two mana with Ninjutsu, the mm. two, three, that whenever a ninja you control deals combat damage, draw a card. Um, they're both pretty good to pick up. Yeah. Uh, I would say probably if you were considering building like a Yuriko deck or something sometime soon before Neon Dynasty hits it would be good to pick her up I mean there's like Sakshima's student is pretty good as well mm. um, Higure the Steel Wind and guys like they're they're all decent like if you're if you're considering picking them up it's probably not going to be something for standard the majority of those probably will not show up in standard yeah. and to be honest I don't even know if Ninjutsu is going to come back because I was listening to the receivables a little while ago and they were talking about Kamigawa and uh, Patrick Sullivan was talking about how ninjutsu is a really, really cool mechanic mm. and it's very, very fun to play with, but there's only so much you can do with it. Yeah. You know, like an unblocked attacking creature, whenever it deals combat damage, do a thing. There's only so many of those things you can do before yeah. you run out of stuff and it feels like they're already close to that. So I would not be surprised to see this ninjutsu thing not come back, but mm. rather... You might see something different uh, from ninjas this time. You might see a new mechanic or yeah. it might be like whenever a ninja ETBs do a thing or whenever a ninja goes back to your hand, do yeah. something, you know, that would be cool. something like that. Uh, my advice is just pick up four Ninja of the Deep Bells because that card is sick. Yeah, it's, that's not an okay card. <laughs> that card's great. <laughs> I love that card in Pauper. Um so we yeah. have a question from the Joe Cheney, also from the BMCast Discord. Mm-hmm. This is one that you're probably interested in. Does the new alchemy format make you at all oh. excited to play arena? Emphasis on the at all here. Okay, so first of all, no. Uh, <laughs> That's my answer. Uh, se- second of all, we need to have a quick talk about this. So it, we were going to do an alchemy episode, but we decided that every other podcast under the sun is going to be doing that. And it kind of sucks that when one big thing happens in the magic community and you go and open up Spotify and you look under podcasts and shows and all the most recent episodes are all the same topic and you're like, no. So let's just do it different. But alchemy is basically a new format, if anyone hasn't seen it, on Arena. And it has what they call an ever-evolving play mode, which is it uses cards in standard it rotates at the same time as standard but it also has new digital cards that are going to be put in and they're also going to rebalance cards like they do in hearthstone or whichever Mm. and those cards are going to be made i think available in historic and stuff as well i haven't looked into the finest finest detail on this but that's roughly it like it's kind of standard except we're going to be digitally updating it and stuff now i have thoughts on this so first of all, on the concept of digital-only cards, because I know some people hate this concept, that like I hate that there's cards that exist on Magic Arena and not anywhere else. I'm really in the minority here because I think digital cards are really cool. Mm. Digital-only cards are really, really cool because it lets them experiment and explore design space that would otherwise be kept away from Magic entirely because in paper they would either be too unwieldy 
especially for newer players, uh, or downright impossible to do in paper. So I really enjoy the fact that they're exploring the space. It's something new, it's something different, and change is good. Not all change is good, but being willing and open to change is very, very good. On being able to rebalance and errata cards and stuff, I think they should have been taking advantage of this sooner. To be honest, I think this should have been something they did in Historic way sooner. And I think the suspended list was the thing that was sort of the testing ground for Mm. errata in cards in the first place, you know, because it was kind of like they went, well, it's banned, but also we're going to just see how things fare before we properly ban it kind of thing. And that's that's basically rebalancing, you know. Mm. Uh, It is the strength of digital over paper. However... And this leads into my next point, which is on the economy. Uh, Not giving wildcards back for rebalanced cards is really terrible and it needs to change as soon as humanly possible. Because let's say your deck gets nerfed and it's no longer playable as a result. You're just out of luck. Tough. Like, you're not giving wildcards to replace it. You're not given the opportunity to dust your cards or otherwise convert them into another resource that you can use to buy different cards. Not doing that is extremely cheap at best and a predatory scam at worst. Having a new format like this further pushes the need for some sort of dusting or conversion of some sort. Now, like I said, if if you're playing a deck that gets nerfed and it's no longer playable and you're out of luck, that probably won't be the case. And it is absolutely the worst case scenario, but it is very not cash money of them to leave that as a possibility on the table that it can potentially happen. If they were like, listen, if a deck became unplayable or whatever, you know, then we would do xyz then that would be completely acceptable or at least acceptable Mm. you know but it's not happening so whatever i'm nearly finished i swear Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um some people have been saying that it's going to kill standard um i think on arena probably not but at the same time it is hard to tell and this is pure speculation because it's like standard only not is not really something that has appeared before but i wouldn't be surprised to see it take over as the main way to play because it's a format that's going to have eyes on it more often because they're going to be looking to rebalance stuff and change mm. things and buff things and nerf things and and all sorts, you know? So if you sit down, you have the option of playing a bunch of like, is it Dex or Mono Green or Mono White in Standard or God knows what's going to be in a month's time on Alchemy. Yeah. You know, I would probably go with Alchemy personally, you know? Like, I kind of like that. So I would be more inclined to play Alchemy than I would Standard. However, I still wouldn't play either because the economy is so poor. Yeah. Um, once that has changed and it's actually made viable for people that don't have reams and reams of endless money then I'm not considering it but uh, I've also seen some people say that it might kill paper magic so not a knee jerk reaction is knocking about which is a bit which is unsurprising because it is a magic community but yeah right like like what planet are you on first of all are you on one of those floating planets on the on the basics for infinity like I want to know what they're drinking because I want some. That sounds great. I don't. Like... <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't like my intelligence being reduced to nothing. Um, like standard might not be doing great in paper, but it hasn't been for ages. Uh, but modern and commander are possibly bigger than ever before. And yeah. something that Dev from SBMTG YouTube channel, I'll link to his reasoned and balanced take uh, in the show notes. But something that he said is like even if they did somehow just stop printing magic cards despite the fact that that is an absolute money factory for them Mm. you would still have people with playing commander decks and brewing up new cards and decks and stuff because 
surprise, surprise, you don't need new sets to make countless new decks with the cards that are available. Like, it would still exist long after someone finally has the has last straw and, like, burns the Watsy building to the ground yeah. in a fit of, like, absolute psychotic rage. Like... <laughs> it's still gonna keep going. It's just still gonna keep going. The like spirit at this point, magic's very the gathering of magic is still very much there. Hundred percent. People need to have more 100%. confidence in that. I think. Yeah. Uh, so, so my my short answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. No, so my short answer is no. I'm not excited. Um, purely for similar reasons to Scott, but the mo- but the biggest reason I don't play arena is just because of the predatory economy. I already spend money in paper. I have a Magic Online account. Mm-hmm. I don't want to throw money into something that I might not get in return. The thing I want in return. Yeah. Um, and it's just, yeah, I can't. And plus, I think for me, I'm going to sound a bit like a boomer here, but I just enjoy playing Magic in paper. Like, there's just nothing that beats paper Magic over digital. There is literally nothing like it. There's, it's it's the people, yeah. it's the aesthetic, it's the fact that I get to shuffle my cards and just, you know, everything about it is much more... I gravitate... To, towards more than just you know arena crapping out every set release yada yada predatory economy and so forth yeah Don't so while I, yeah so while i do appreciate and understand you know the more competitive players wanting to play arena and stuff because it has more readily access to competitive environments and mm. being able to play in events and all sorts of stuff something i didn't touch on earlier in my intro when we were talking about the store championships and stuff was I felt something yesterday at the store championship that I haven't felt since Brussels 2020, which was the last event that I was at. And that is when you go to an event with a couple of players that you know or close friends or whatever, and you're all taking part in the same event or similar events or whatever at the same time in the case of yeah. Magic Fest or whatever, that you meet up in between rounds and you talk about how the match went and you yeah. talk about what the losses were, what you could have done differently, how did you sideboard, what happened, do you want to go get a coffee? You know, like the the game ended quickly. Do you want to go grab coffee or or whatever? And and you know, the guy I was talking to or playing against was a real jerk and this that and the yeah. other. And like, there is a sense of there's something there that you don't get anywhere else. You will not get on arena, and you won't get even if you do these things on arena. And like, you're in I don't know, say like the Red Bull on top waiting rooms or whatever, and you're yeah. in random chats with mates or something. It's not it, like it's cool, but it's not the same. It's really, really not the same. That's a, that's a good question to ask. Actually, do you mm. have any rituals you do in between rounds? In between Is it anything rounds. you know, like if, like you got like half an hour to kill because you're like you played like you aggroed someone out in like fifteen minutes and you've got like thirty to forty minutes to kill. Is it anything that you like to do during that time, or is it just mostly just chill out and chat to friends? Because I know some people so, have like rituals in place. So in the first couple of rounds, I will tend to walk around the tournament and see what's going on. I know spiky play, spikier players will do it specifically to know the decks that they're against and stuff. Yeah. And while that is, to a certain degree, something that I would take into account, I kind of just want to see cool stuff that's happening. You know, like I want to see interesting things that are going on. I want to see if, like, like, for example, when I was down yesterday, I walked around and in the, the first round, I noticed that there was a guy, Fran, that I haven't seen in like two years. And he's such a lovely guy. Mm. And I hadn't seen him. And he's... He, he rocks up with Ponza circa 2018 and I'm oh like God. you're an absolute legend like he just came out the, it came out of nowhere and was just like how's it going lads I'm uh, here with me Ponza deck from 2018 with me Bloodbraid Elves cascading into uh, my Utopia sprawls and That's cool. doing a good job you know <laughs> it was just great like it's great yeah. to see that stuff but I always in between rounds I like 
you can tell by the amount in which I talk constantly yeah. that any opportunity I have to engage, like I'm one of the most extroverted people that people are likely to meet ever because when I start talking, I don't stop. I am completely enriched and my social battery is completely and solely charged off the social interactions with others. When I walk into a party with my friends and stuff, I am the loudest and most talkative person there yeah. because I don't stop. I just suck it all up. And I can sometimes have that be a nuisance at tournaments because I will just start talking to someone yeah. in between like four tables and everyone's like, who is this clown? Can he get out of here? <laughs> so I, I, you know, I used to be good at it as in like, you know, I'd wave at someone and like, go yeah. gesture gesture to go further away from the tables or go outside or something my uh, i'm gonna have to start working on that again and get this golden retriever energy pulled back a little bit because <laughs> golden uh, retriever energy uh, I, so I for it, yeah. me it kind of depends so if say i'm at like a big tournament like a gp or mm. like a hundred plus modern tournament like a local tournament but it's a, a massive turnout um often i like so i like people watching in general because i'm weird and it's just something really fun about watching just people play magic and see those, that pockets of excitement mm. and enthusiasm when they're shuffling up or the draw. you can see them draw the card that they needed to draw to win the game and like little things like that. So normally I just slam on some headphones, I just walk around to see what people are playing. Um, not necessarily to scout, but just like you to see if there's anything cool. Yeah. Is there any cool, like, is someone foiled out their mill deck or, you know, something like that. Um, but usually after like the third and fourth round, I normally hang out with some friends. We normally play board games in between rounds. So stuff like Sushi mm. Goes really good. Love Letters a really fun one to play. And then you've got like Liar's Dice as well. We just get dice and you, you gamble dice away. It's also quite fun. Because it, it's, it's those sort of things that just keeps you mentally sort of stimulated. Mm. But yep. not to the point where you're exhausted. So I tend to opt for like uh, Love Letter or Sushi Go. Cool. Thank you for that question. Uh, hang on, let me check that. <laughs> Emma Partler. Thanks. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> Big fan. Um, also, Joe Cheney has a bunch of other questions uh, that we mm -hmm. need to get through. Um, so they ask, do you think Watsi should extend the use of alternate skins of cards to better align with a new set in order to reprint the cards that may not otherwise fit? So, for example, using Riot's Arcane Secret Lair, because we saw a new Ristic study in that set, um, like the Godzilla, the Dracula as skins, but apply it to a like other cards. So, for example, like the Mirrodin Fastlands would be a good one mm -hmm. for like... Uh, Neon Dynasty or New Capena, giving them a skin just so you can reprint them. Um, I've never so, seen I've never seen the the music the term skins before. That's interesting. Yeah, <laughs> on a side yeah, note, very very digital feel. Very Fortnite. So, as for using stuff like Godzilla or Dracula or whatever to reprint cards that otherwise wouldn't be able to be done, I'm all for that. I do think it would be a little confusing to have say like you know Razor Verge ticket say something like you know Tony's Diner in Nuka Pena or some whatever the hell it is <laughs> Tony's you know diner. like I don't know you know or Mama's Pizzeria instead of like Dark Slick Shores or something like you know Italian American jokes aside yeah I, I think it could be a little bit confusing I think but at the same time what I would be totally fine with is having those card names on special versions so say for example yeah. like a set every every time there's a new set coming out say like neon dynasty right you have reprints that would otherwise not fit into the set as special reprints that would show up in say set and collector boosters that just happen to have art from that plane yeah but would still have the old name on them yeah. like i don't i don't think many people would care all that much 
if the name didn't fully match the art because I agree let's be real like secret layers a lot of the names don't match the art in a lot of things and it doesn't really matter you know people are just like oh the art's cool I don't care you know I I don't care so much the the link between the name and the art you know yeah I like keeping I like things to be consistent keeping the same name so just having like for example just have dark slick shorts but have Kamigawa art like Mm -hmm. you can make that work right and maybe just have like the Kamigawa-esque name underneath it in small instead instead of the way they do it now I don't know but it just seems a lot more confusing you're just adding more layers to more things that we already struggle to keep up with because there's just so many cards yeah or maybe reference the actual place in like the flavor text of it or something instead I feel like like they could do something but I'm all for the idea because it means we get these reprints that you know obviously we need um, and also put the fast lens into pioneer you cowards i'm gonna keep saying this until yeah. you know it actually happens um and then jay cheney la- uh, finally asks why is arena killing my vibe please see above <laughs> yeah see the economy yeah <laughs> um so Keeble has a question for me um mm-hmm. they want to know what cards would you use for the secret let x the simpsons uh, drop um which is a great question i get this a lot I would just have five of the main characters, I think, because you can do a series, right? You don't just have to do mm-hmm. a one-off. You could do a series. So I'd do one you know, one of Homer, Bart, Lisa, Maggie, Yard. Just have one of each legendary creatures so you can have them as commanders, not Silver Border or with Acorns or whatever gubbins that, you know, Mark Rosewater would want to do. I don't know mm-hmm. what I would want them to do, but mm-hmm. I would start with the original five. And then if that's really popular, you can go into like the secondary character seeking up like your Ralph Wiggums and your Millhouses and stuff like that. So I think what well, could be cool for this now, I know I'm not the biggest Simpsons fan, but I know. I, you know, I'm, I'm aware of a lot of stuff because I watched it for years uh, when I was much younger. But uh, two things. One, I think a Treehouse of Horror equivalent, like for, but for cool. like reprints of like Innistrad cards or something, oh, that, that might be cool. Be cool. Yeah. Um, but also, one that I want to see, just because it's so funny, it's so, so funny, is I want a reskin of Tanglewire, only it's Sideshow Bob stepping on rakes. Yes, that would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. I think, that, I think that's a, my favourite um, idea so far. <laughs> on that note, actually, there's a really good Twitter account that I follow. It's mm-hmm. called Magic the Simpsoning, and it's basically, I don't know their name, but they basically alt- digitally alter magic mm-hmm. cards with the art from The Simpsons. So there I've has been this. like a yeah. Tangle Wire one. Like um, there is one of Ragavan as Mojo the monkey that throws donuts at <laughs> yeah, Homer and stuff. Like lots of little things like that. And they have like a digital cube of all these cards. So they're just like existing nice. magic cards with like Simpsons art and stuff. It's really, really good. I'll add it to the show notes so you can check it out. Yeah, I do. So finally, we've got a question from EbnaMage97. They ask, this question's mainly for Emma since she is the master baker, but with the holidays around the corner, what are some of the foods are you excited to be baking, making for family and friends? Um, well, I mean, we can open this to the floor, right? Because you're going to be making like chutneys and jams oh, yeah. as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, the thing I'm most excited to bake is, uh, so my mum's Christmas cake recipe, mm-hmm. um, which has been the family recipe. It's been in the family for years, years and years and years. And, Christmas is pretty special for us this year because we've got the whole family over. So for nice. context, my brother lived lived in America for like eight years. So mm. he spent a lot of Christmases with his partner's family who live mm. in Charlotte, North Carolina. Now they've moved, all moved over to England. We've got a complete family again. It's like my niece's first Christmas in England as well. So we're going to make a big deal out of it. So I want to get, I want to make an effort 
in terms of like baking and cooking, right? Yep. So I'm really excited to make this Christmas cake. For the uh, non-British slash Irish folk, uh, Christmas cake over here is like, um, it's a combination of like fruit, nuts, brandy, and some sponge. And it's a really dense cake. And you yeah, have like, like marzipan like on the top as well. And it's really, really good. But it takes like five hours to bake, but it's delicious. Mm, what yeah, about you? What are you excited to make? Uh... Yeah, so like I said before, I do the yearly baskets now where I give to my parents, my sister and her husband. I'm still, my brother-in-law. I'm still like, because they're, yeah. they're only married a couple of years and it's, I get very confused with like mm. brother-in-law, sister-in-law. But, yeah. uh, so them and also Leanne's parents and stuff as well, uh, we get them a basket and I make a lot of stuff to go in. And I find it really, really rewarding for a number of reasons. First of all, the things that I like to make the most are like, things that take a lot of prep but then stick around for a very long time so i love like prepping and pickling stuff i love making the chutneys and stuff because you end up with these jars and jars and jars of stuff that you have for ages Mm. and you're like this was so worth that was that like three hours that i spent like making this stuff because you get months of enjoyment out of it um so like last year i made a cranberry pear and ginger sauce oh that sounds Um, good yeah, huge jar. That was, in fact, people came back great. with their people came back with the washed jars, being like, "Can we have another?" That's a good sign. <laughs> yeah. Always a good um, sign. I made loads of different pickled things. Uh, there was like uh, pickled carrots, red cabbage, mm. um, onions, pickled garlic. By the way, turns blue. Um, there's, there's a scientific reason for that that I am not qualified to tell you but it, it is a real thing and it happens. Uh, it's completely harmless, but it's really cool to watch. And then also. A bunch of different things. I made, like, a, I, I did a test there. I think I'd mentioned it recently. It was like a raisin and orange jam, um, Ooh, which which is really good, good for, uh, like, charcuterie boards and that kind of thing. I love As, raisins. like, the sweet element, because it's really sweet. I've actually been using that as well to go into, like, salad dressings and stuff. Ooh, to nice. add the sweetness to that as well. That's so, cool. Yeah, loads of these little things. Um, and then also, like I said, the chutney as well. Like, you know... The 30 tomatoes or something go into it and then like yeah. you know a bunch of courgettes and peppers and all sorts and let that cook out for like three hours and you know you're 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 left with like five kilos of chutney and yeah i love 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 doing that stuff yeah, um, and whenever good. i have spare i'm nearly always like to the next available person i'm like here please take some stuff yeah. i want to give you something that i made and i'm happy with this will be me come christmas because i suspect i'm gonna overbake. Mm. Um, also another thing I like baking over Christmas is shortbread nice. um, which is kind of a popular sort of Christmas biscuit it's, it's, mm. you can have it all around the year but often it's it's like more common in shops around the holidays right um, so mm. I just, I'll just i probably just make like five racks like five batches of shortbread and just be giving it away to people because I'll bake too much and it's going to be great because <laughs> it's, nice. it's Christmas right You're just meant to eat loads of food yeah. um, and lastly they have a question about the BMCast so they want to know oh. if we'll eventually do some gameplay content on the BMCast YouTube channel because we haven't um, done YouTube for a while because we've had some issues with uploading episodes to YouTube so we kind of stopped that for a little bit so yeah also yeah also the episodes up on their own with uh, just a background don't do particularly well I know it's, it'd be great to have another outlet, but the amount of effort involved for that mm. wasn't worth it. Gameplay, on the other hand, I mean, never say never. We we didn't have any plans for it, but no. we, can, we can consider it in the future and with, look into it, I suppose. With like, the way the Patreon's kicking off and whatnot, and you know, we've done a whole year of BMCast recording, mm. which is really weird to say. Um, year and a half. 
year and a half but yeah Episode like a complete 74. year of recording as well um yeah. yeah like i'm up for that i think we're more likely to do it on twitch and then maybe put that onto youtube at some point perhaps um but i think my, i think our portal call would be twitch first and then mm. look at youtube secondarily i think but we've we're not like completely ignored the idea so don't worry about that this is every time that we have like a spare moment to look at this stuff, then like the very next day, it's like, oh, we're all like really busy again. Yeah. Or we just get distracted by something else completely, which also happens quite a lot. Yeah. So like, wait, yeah. we can do this thing. We could do this thing. We could do this thing. And then we don't structure it. And then we just like, oh, okay. Yeah. True retriever energy for me here again with the, you know, oh, time to do this thing. <gasps> Squirrel. <laughs> and then it's like, we just procrastinate for a little bit because yeah. you have too much to do because that's normal. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to us here at the BMCast and a special thanks to our patrons. However, we've had more patrons join recently that can fit into the usual outro, so I've got to speed this up a bit. At the Cheering Fanatic tier, we have... Alejandro, Kilgore Trout 503, Max Makes Magic, The Jess Guy, The Joe Cheney, Nicholas Martin, Bradley Rose, Ian Holland, Christopher McCarthy, Anton Clement, Edward Whitney, Evil Vanilla Glaze, Matthew O'Neill, Anthony Burchett, Morgan Roberts, MF Peaches, Miss Eldridge, Miss Maya, Jonas Kong, Jeff Eaton, and Ozan Kaplaner. At the Stonks here we have... Anga Orr, Scott Creed, Simon Grip, Brian Madden, Ice Planeswalker, Nerblin, Everett Brogan, Alex Gibson, Bo Schwartz Madsen, Mickey Paris, Mark Davis, Coffee, Spencer Sachs, Zachary Morrow, and Tom Telford. Thank you all for helping to keep this podcast on the air. We cannot thank you enough. If you want to support us and add your name to this list of lovely people, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the BMcast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagicast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at the BMcast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your book.